Welcome to season four of Would Like to Meet Podcast. Since releasing season three, I have won bronze for best sex and relationship podcast at the first Irish Podcast Awards in September 2022. A huge thank you to everyone that has listened and voted for this podcast. I also have a new podcast with Stephanie Regan, clinical psychotherapist and relationship expert called Tough Love. So if you have an interest in love, dating or relationships, give it a listen. In the next few weeks, I will continue to speak to expert guests to help you on your dating and relationship adventures. If there is a topic that you would like me to discuss, or if you think there is an expert guest that you would like me to interview, please let me know by contacting me at lovehq.ie. Thank you. So a huge thank you. Mary Hayes is with us today. She is the Two Into You project lead from Women's Aid. Uh, Thank you so much for coming to Would Like to Meet. Thank you so much for having me. I think it's a huge discussion that needs to be had. Um, everything to do with domestic abuse, the Two Into You project. One thing that I would very often say to people starting out in relationships, start as you mean to go on. And really, I think the conversation around spotting red flags, spotting what is healthy, what's not healthy in a relationship, because the thing is, nobody ever taught us how to have a relationship. So I think it's a hugely important relationship. Will you tell us a little bit about what you do at uh, the Two Into You project? Yeah, so I suppose just to start, um, for anyone who doesn't know who Women's Aid are, we're the National Domestic Violence Service. Um, So we've been around (laughs) since 1974 and our main aim is to protect uh, women and children who are subjected to abuse by a current partner or ex. Um, And we do that in in a number of ways. So we have the... um, Women's Aid 24-hour national free phone helpline. Um, and we also have uh, one-to-one, you know, face-to-face services as well. Things like court accompaniment, um, you know, a one-to-one service where you can talk through what you're going through. We have a high-risk support project, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then Two Into You is our campaign focused on uh, young people, in particular young women. So it's focused on 18 to 24s. Um, and it's really about teaching young people that unfortunately abuse can happen in your first relationship or in, you know, young relationships, mm-hmm. um, trying to teach them the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationships and also to provide support, specific support to those young people through a dedicated website to interview.ie. That's our website for young people. I think it's hugely important. And I think with modern, you know, the way society is going, like when I was growing up, I used to borrow my dad's mobile phone. So like when I was at home, we lived out the country three kind of kilometers out the road. So when I was ho- at home, I was safe. Mm. Whereas now I'm assuming a lot of those kids have mobile phones. They're, they are not even kids, young adults. Yeah. Um, they are accessible 24-7. Yeah, totally. And On when, numerous platforms. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the assumption is, is that you have to be living with a partner for them to be abusive towards you. But we know from, you know, our services, from our support of survivors um, and young women that you don't need to be living with someone, that that abuse can continue um you know, in school, outside work, mm-hmm. on, online especially as well. Um, so, you know, with the online abuse, that's something, it's really a space where the abuse can be continued. You know, even if you're in your room on your own in the evening and you're on social media yes. and, you know, the person you're going out with is bombarding you with text messages, they're incessantly liking all your photos and videos. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, they have spyware um, installed on your phone so they can track your movements. Wow. They can log into your email. That's something that we hear a lot of the time from from young women. And it can especially happen after the relationship has ended. So they yes. use it as a tool to really continue 
that abuse and that control afterwards as a way to try and manipulate you into getting back with them. Isn't that like horrifying? Yeah, it's it's awful, but it's become really normalized. Um, you know, in younger relationships, there's kind of this assumption that it's normal to, you know, mm. look through your partner's phone or demand to, you know, um, want to know who they're talking to or to know all their passwords, things like that. And it can be excused as, you know, well, if you loved me or, you yeah. know, if you had nothing to hide, you'd show me your phone. Yes. But really what that is, is it's an invasion of privacy. And it says that the person you're going out with doesn't trust you. You know, they don't respect your boundaries. They don't respect your space because in a healthy relationship um, your partner doesn't need to know who you're talking to all the time they don't know need to know where you've been where you yeah. are and there's trust there and they want you to have independence outside the relationship it's insane obviously you're coming today from women's age but obviously this can happen to men as well um, yeah so just I want to highlight that that we this all everything that we talk about today can happen to men just as much as women yeah absolutely you know it can happen to men and it can happen in LGBT relationships as yes. well but I suppose unfortunately you know what the research shows um both nationally and internationally mm. is that this is a really heavily gendered issue um so for example of that younger cohort one in five young women will have been abused by a current partner or ex male partner or ex um compared to one in 11 young men and often people think well maybe men just aren't coming forward but actually men are much better at seeking support than young women are and I think that's probably because the impact of abuse um, would be much higher for young women and the risk for them would be much higher as well and often for young men who are subjected to abuse it's abuse by other men um, so that might be in same okay. sex relationships. Yes. So I suppose, you know, um, we get asked this quite often, you know, what are the statistics for men? And yes, it can absolutely happen. But there's a lot more nuance there, I think, probably that needs to be spoken about. Can you describe some of the signs and the symptoms of domestic abuse, both physical and mentally, obviously? Yeah, so... You know, abuse can sound like a really big word um, and often people don't want to maybe attribute it to themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be seen as a victim. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, but abuse can be very insidious. It can happen very slowly over time. Mm -hmm. So really it's about if you feel like your partner is trying to control what you do, control who you talk to, where you go, if they want all the power in the relationship. So, for example, maybe they complain about when you um, want to spend time with friends or family. They might say your friends don't like you, you know, they um, they're not good for you. They're a bad influence on you. Or they might frame it as, uh, well, why don't you want to spend all your time with me? You know, if you really loved me, you'd want to spend all your time with me. But slowly what that does is it makes you more and more isolated from your friends, from your family, from those supports that can be really um, a great sounding board or kind of a mirror to what your relationship is. Yeah, Um, And I suppose some other um, early warning signs. So a really um, prominent one that maybe, you know, people would have been experiencing, unfortunately, around Valentine's Day would be love bombing. Yes. So love bombing happens um, generally early in a relationship. And it's when um, the person you're seeing will bombard you with gifts and attention, affection, you know, taking you out to dinner, kind of these grand gestures of love. And I suppose that can 
feel really exciting, feel really normal, especially kind of in the honeymoon phase. Yeah, and I don't know any woman just want to be swept off her yeah, feet. Absolutely. That's kind of what it was. it's called. You absolutely. know, swept off your feet or it's romanticized anyway in that way. Yeah, and you know, that's a very normal thing, yeah. a very exciting thing in a relationship. And that's where it should end. But if you feel like you can't say no to all these romantic advances, if you feel like you owe them something in return, say, for example, they bring you out to, you know, dinner and later on they say, well, why won't you have sex with me? I brought, I gave you a lovely evening. So it's that kind of coercion or guilt tripping you. So really that's where the line has been crossed because what that tells us is, um, you know, your partner doesn't respect your boundaries. Mm -hmm. They don't respect your choices or your decisions. And later on that can become amped up even more and feed into other areas of your life. Like I have been love bombed before. I have, you know, been in different types of relationships. Um, and at the time, and especially if you have been single for a while and you're a little bit lonely, you're like, this is why I waited. And at last, my Prince Charming has come along. You can kind of, especially because they are telling you everything you want to hear. They are doing these grand gestures very often. Um, it's love bombing. Um, and you are kind of lulled into a false sense of security. So I can imagine if you're in your early 20s or in your teens, or if you've been single for a long time, that it might be a little bit and as well you don't want to then we'll say stand up to them or say Mm -hmm. to them you know I'm not comfortable with this because you're afraid it will go away or disappear yeah and that's really the test of a healthy versus unhealthy relationship if you feel you know if you say bring this up with your partner if you say you know it was really nice that you did all those things for me but you know I do like time to myself things like that if they you know straight away Mm -hmm. say oh my god I didn't realize no problem at all like I want you to have your time as well green flag amazing that's what we love to see but if they kind of get defensive back against Mm -hmm. the wall you know and say well um you're just so ungrateful you know and what that is is it's gaslighting it's telling you that what you're feeling and what you're experiencing isn't real or isn't true and just that you're ungrateful so that would be a, a big red flag but anybody that doesn't respect your boundaries straight away is a giant red flag so actually I would often say to clients when they are starting out dating and especially if they have been in an abusive relationship before watch your boundaries and how they're accepted and your reaction to them as well now look we shouldn't have to watch our reaction to them but sometimes I think if you've thought about it in advance and you say Mm. to yourself okay you know previously I had an issue with boundaries even saying something like that's not acceptable or even the word no with no explanation um, is a good place to start. Starting as you mean to go on and maybe testing the boundaries a little bit as to how far, Yeah, you know. And I suppose that's why we call them red flags because, you know, you have to take them seriously early on because they give you an indication of what the relationship will look like later on. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if you're young and it's your first relationship, it could be really hard because you've nothing to compare to or you think, you know, well, this is what I've seen in movies. This is what my friends go through. You know, it's normal to be showered with attention. Or I really want a boyfriend and I'm the only one single in my friend groups. I hear all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of brush off these red flags and then later on, you don't realize how you've gotten into the situation that you have because unfortunately, 
somebody who is being abusive, they will take advantage of somebody who is particularly kind or sensitive. Mm-hmm. Empathy, um, yeah. Empathy, absolutely. Uh, so it can be really confusing and really distressing when you have been made to think that what is happening to you is your fault just mm-hmm. because, you know, you weren't open to their advances or you didn't move fast enough in the relationship. Like, how does it affect them, affect people that are abused? It can be absolutely enormous, the impact of abuse, um, especially for young women. So, you know, for example, a young woman who's finishing school, maybe she's starting college, she gets Mm -hmm. into a relationship, gets swept up in it. And, you know, a controlling partner will try and control all aspects of your life, you know, not just um, the relationship. They'll Mm -hmm. try and control who you see, what you do, and that might include work or college. So for a lot of young women, you know, it might um, impact their access to education, uh, which can have a huge knock on effect later on. Mm -hmm. Also, the mental health impact of abuse is absolutely astronomical. So for the young women that we would have researched, um, the majority, vast majority of them would have said that the abuse had a severe impact on them. And what severe impact meant was um, PTSD, mm-hmm. depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal ideation, um, suicide attempts. So wow. it can really, really um, knock your confidence. It can make you feel like you don't know yourself anymore. And it completely destroys uh, your trust in your gut, which is really the thing that tells you, you know, you're not safe this isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, feeling supported because often you become so isolated and you can feel so alone um, that the abusive relationship becomes the total norm and you just become completely trapped in it. It's such a vulnerable age because if you think of it, like you're kind of somewhat shielded right throughout school, you know, doing your leave and search and everything, you're like kind of on this path. And then all of a sudden you might be off of college or you're, you do have that extra level of freedom. But really, you're only getting to know yourself at that stage because it's the first time you don't, you you got to choose your own college course. Mm -hmm. You got to choose where you live or who you hang out with or your new friends. Like, you know, you might have had friends since primary school, Mm -hmm. right throughout secondary school. And all of a sudden you have new groups of people in college. So it is quite a sensitive age because you really are only finding your feet and your normalities within society. Totally. And, you know, that kind of um, changeover of a certain group of friends, maybe to a new group of friends can be also really hard because it can be normal to drift a little bit from, you know, friends uh, from school, say, around that age. Um, And then you're gaining new friends, say, in college or even if you're not in college, work, things like that. Um, So those kind of outside secondary school friends. And if there is something going on where something feels a bit off, maybe you feel like you've disconnected a little bit from your school Mm -hmm. friends and you can't bring it up with Mm -hmm. them or your new friends maybe might have spotted, you know, a change in you and they feel like it's not their business to kind of intervene. Yeah, because those new friendships might not be established long enough. So like it's easier to drift apart because it is very important the first couple of weeks or months in college to kind of establish those new friend groups and whether or not you're going to meet people in college or not. So if you have a new partner that's trying to isolate you from them, you know, you are very isolated. Yeah, absolutely. And friends, it can be a really tricky one as well, because um, so, for example, one of the survivors that we work with, she said that, you know, when she was uh, with her partner, that she felt like she had become completely isolated from her own friends. But all of her friends became her partner's friends. Okay, so that was that was her gang. So she felt really lonely, really isolated. But he would say, 
but sure, of course, you have loads of friends. What are you talking about? Okay. But they were his friends. Okay. Um. So it was again that kind of gaslighting, kind of saying, "What are you talking about? You're crazy. You're delusional. This is all this in your head. Stuff, You're yeah. ungrateful. Look at all these friends in inverted commas, you know, who are there mm. for you." Okay. And like, you, you know, what are the common misconceptions, or is there any misconceptions about domestic abuse? Yeah, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that abuse is physical. So, mm. you know, you say the words domestic abuse, domestic violence, straight away our minds go to the black eye, the bruise. Yeah. But actually emotional abuse is by far the most common form of abuse against mm-hmm. women and young women. Um, so really, you know, what that would include would um, be being put down, being criticised, being humiliated, being called names, mm-hmm. um, being sexualized. Being being isolated, really that feeling of control, um, you know, your your thoughts or feelings being questioned, being made feel like everything that's being done to you is your fault. So it can have a huge toll on you, um, you know, mentally. Yeah, you'd and actually start questioning your own mind, which is so scary. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that a lot of the survivors that we work with would say is that, you know, when they were in um, really the depths of abuse mm-hmm. was that they looked back and they didn't recognize the person that they had become because they had just been so coerced and manipulated mm-hmm. into changing all of their behaviors to try and keep peace in the relationship. Because that's the thing, you know, abuse, it's a pattern, but yeah. also your partner mm-hmm. isn't abusive all the time. So they might give you glimpses of what they were like, you know, at the start of the relationship. Yeah, the potential is still there. You're still like, oh, well, he was lovely on this date or that date or whatever. Exactly. And that's what can be really confusing and keep people in abusive situations for longer because they feel mm-hmm. like, okay, well, maybe they will change or maybe, you know, they're just stressed or maybe mm-hmm. they have a lot going on um, or maybe they were just mm-hmm. drunk, things like that you know, things that are used to excuse these abusive and controlling behaviours. Because you have to remember in those situations, like the person probably thinks that they're in love, you know, and it's when we're in love, all those lovely hormones are bouncing around our bodies. And so, you know, there is rose tinted glass, especially at the initial stages. One thing I've noticed as a professional matchmaker is date three is so important. Mm. Date three, very often, and there's a lot of research on this, women unconsciously decide whether or not this is the person that they would like to be with. And mm-hmm. it kind of after day three, the further they get in, the kind of the more in love they think that they are. And pretty much a lot of partners, you know, there's a lot of people out there that on day three, their partner might say, well, actually, I'm married. I should probably should have told you in advance and everything. Yeah. And very often women will actually stay because they think because their hormones and everything are actually thinking that they are in love Mm -hmm. so it is very hard because your body's telling you one thing your gut is telling you another your head is telling you another like there's just so many conflicting messages you know how can friends and family members best support someone that's experienced domestic abuse so um friends and family members (coughs) have a huge part to play i think because often when you get into a situation um that is abusive it can be really hard to see you know the wood for the trees Mm -hmm. um it can just totally become the norm and you lower your expectations you don't expect anything except for the way that you have been treated so um to maintain a connection with friends can be absolutely huge so it can be difficult as a friend or family member of somebody who's going through this because you know um it could be a hard conversation to broach um you feel like maybe it's not your place um or that they'll get defensive 
But it can be so important to keep those connections because you could be an absolute lifeline to them because mm-hmm. all they know is the abusive relationship. So for you to say, you know, what they're doing, that's not normal. That could be totally massive for them. Or for you to just say, you know, I believe you. That yes. could be the first time in a long time that they've heard, you know, they're not crazy. It's yeah. not all in their head and that that's not OK. But I think even before that, it's really just to remind that person that you're in their life. Mm-hmm. So if the relationship does end, that you will be there and they won't be completely alone. Um, so just to kind of check in on them, you know, send them a text, mm-hmm. say, how are you doing? Would you like to get a coffee? Or, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. I'd love to catch up. And it's not that you have to go straight into, you know, these kind of statements like I noticed this, I noticed this, which can be um, quite confronting for the person because yeah, I know if one of my friends did that to me I'd probably revert backwards first of all and mm. what's more is I'd probably just filter what I would tell them the next time yeah exactly and would you know be my natural reaction anyway yeah and there's a lot of shame around abuse as well you know because mm-hmm. people will think that it's their fault and it's like how well how did I let this happen to myself you know people think that I'm oh this God, strong empowered woman yeah. doesn't matter how empowered you are you know abuse is done to you yes um, and it is incredibly manipulative mm-hmm. um So really, it's just about kind of reminding them that you're there, you know, creating that safe space. And Mm -hmm. really, it's about being non-judgmental, you know, listening to them, letting them have that space to talk through what's happening to them. And if they say something that sounds, you know, um, dangerous or unhealthy, it's okay to say things like, you know, that sounds really scary. If that happened to me, I'd be really frightened. Okay. And often that can be a real kind of click, you know, moment for them because they see, oh, maybe that's not normal. And it's a more empathetic approach to going, oh my God, I would kill it. And I've never let anybody speak to me like that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And as well, really important is to don't tell them to leave the relationship. Okay. Because so often people will say, well, why didn't you just leave? But leaving is never as easy as just leaving because um, there can be lots of factors there that make it dangerous to leave. Um, You know, they mightn't have other supports, their work um, or education could have been affected. They're, you know, Uh, mental health might have been affected Mm -hmm. so there are so many factors there that that person is considering about their own life about their relationship and it's about them knowing the time that it feels safest for them to do it Um, and also you know we want to encourage people uh, I suppose to reach out to women's aid because it can be a very difficult thing to do and it can be dangerous to leave an abusive relationship. So we really want people to know that you don't have to do that on your own, that, you know, Women's Aid has years of supporting lots of people who have gone through this. And I suppose we will work through, you know, your feelings, work through your situation, help you create, you know, like a safety plan, things like that. So you don't have to approach this on your own. Even even the younger ladies will say that are in their 20s that are not living with a partner, you still support them. Oh, yeah. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, absolutely. So at our website for young people, twointoyou.ie, we have an instant messaging um, support service. So it's a chat service um, and it's completely free and confidential. And we set that up with young people in mind because before we started the Two Into You campaign, we had seen an increase in young women, you know, phoning the helpline, using the one-to-one services. Um, But we know that a lot of young people don't like making phone calls. um, And it's maybe a little bit easier to chat with someone on a messaging service so we set that up and really it's a space to kind of talk through what you're going through so 
you don't have to be a hundred percent sure to, you know, that you're going through abuse to, to reach out to us. Um, if something feels off at all, it probably is. And it's worth talking it through. Um, and that's the same, you know, if you're worried about a friend or a family member, like that chat service and the helpline are there for you as well. It's not just for people in, to talk about their own relationships. Okay. Brilliant. Um, how can we work towards preventing domestic abuse? Um, so really domestic abuse, it really sits at the centre of gender equality because we can go so far and, you know, work towards women's rights, women's equality in all aspects of their life. But if they're not able to realise, you know, those rights and equality because of abuse that they're being subjected to, we're at nothing. Yes. So, um, you know, a society that says um, we want gender equality has to be a society that says we take a zero tolerance approach to all forms of violence. Mm -hmm. Um, So in Women's Aid, we would do a lot of work around um, policy and strategy. Like we would work with the government um, to kind of embed a zero tolerance approach to gender based violence in lots of different departments because domestic violence, it not only affects, um, you know, people's lives at home it affects our communities it affects uh people's access to work to education um you know it's part of the justice system but it also is part of the department of health because it has a big impact on say people's not only mental health but their physical health maybe they need access um to uh health interventions for for um you know uh physical harms that have been done through abuse It's crazy. It's just, it's a world that is just, unfortunately, just so integrated. Like it's not separate to how everybody lives. I'm sure everybody knows somebody that has been abused in some way or another, or has maybe lived through it themselves, you know? Yeah. So it's actually, it's three in five young people have experienced or know someone who's experienced um, intimate relationship abuse. That's what we call it for young people, because Mm -hmm. I suppose domestic refers to you know being in a domestic setting living with a partner so young people often don't think that the term domestic violence um relates to them because they wouldn't be living with a partner yeah so it's a new uh, yeah i can see the why it might cross over and what should you do if you feel like what should you do if you know you're in abusive relationship i say i know that you've said to reach out to yourselves but what happens then so um, it's different for every person okay. when you reach out. But even before you reach out, if you are, you know, if you feel like something is wrong, um, I suppose try and connect with family and friends to keep um, those those connections, those relationships, because mm-hmm. it can help you feel less alone. Um, you know, hopefully they will support you and they'll be there for you. But often, you know, maybe friends or family aren't... Um, able to be there for you or you feel like that they wouldn't support you um so i suppose our service um is there because our whole ethos is that we listen we believe and we support women because the biggest barrier to reaching out for support is the fear of not being believed mm-hmm. um because there can be so much shame so much stigma around abuse you know often people will feel that Uh, the abuse is their fault and that they brought it on themselves so there can be a a lot of guilt and shame around that but we want people to know it's not your fault you know it is it's never your fault and we're there 
to to listen to you. Um, so one thing I would encourage people to do is if you are worried about your relationship, we have a relationship quiz at twointoyou.ie. Oh, fantastic. And it's just 10 short questions and mm-hmm. it gives you a kind of an idea where your relationship is at. So mm-hmm. if it's healthy, unhealthy, um, things like that. And it tells you uh, where you can go for support or what to do for different situations so that's kind of a good uh, barometer and really if anything feels off at all please do reach out to us Um, you know the support is there for a reason it's completely free and confidential and it's worth just talking through what you're going through Um, even if it feels really small or you feel like you know you're being dramatic that service is still there for you. Good. So anybody should really reach out if they're in question at all. Absolutely. How has um, technology Impacted like we were hearing things about air tags. This find your phone app on your mm. phone. I know some people have synced their photographs to their partner's phones. Um, I was speaking to somebody now, she's an older lady that her partner lets her drive his car and it's a smart car, and therefore, basically, he has um, I don't know, whatever rights on his and literally can figure out if she's wearing her seatbelt, how fast she's driving on the motorway, if she has the windows open, if she has the air conditioning on, all of these things. Like how much of an impact um, has technology on domestic abuse? It's it's had a huge impact, Mm -hmm. um, especially for younger women. So of that one in five young women who'd been abused, um, one in two had experienced online abuse. So online abuse can include, you know, someone monitoring your movements, tracking your location. Mm-hmm. It could be them logging into your social media and sending messages to other people. Maybe they message your friends um, horrible things to try and isolate you from them, try and break up the friendship. Wow. Yeah. Um, they might, you know, log into your email, things like that, to try and get personal information about you. Um and you mentioned air tags there. So, you know, even simpler than that is uh, on Snapchat, there's a location function and that's generally on all the time. And it's seen as completely the norm amongst young people to just look at where your friends are. No um, way. Yeah. So it can really be used in abusive relationships, but especially after an abusive relationship ends. Yes. Because it's a way for that um abuse to to continue, continue even after you've broken up with them. So, you know, if you feel like um, your partner or your ex kind of knows things about you, they know where you've been or what you're doing mm-hmm. without you telling them, um, or maybe they turn up places that uh, you are without you telling them, that could be an indication that they're keeping tabs on you. And there's lots of technology out there now, things like spyware, um, it, you know, that are used to track people's location, their movements, their online activity to look at who they've been talking to and they can be installed in your phone very easily. So if you're worried, we have um, an online safety guide on mm-hmm. the 2 into website as well and it tells you, you know, simple things like how to block people, yes. um, uh, how to report, you know, Brilliant, yeah. uh, things like that. Um, what to do if you think there might be spyware installed on what your phone. What is spyware? Like what is it? <laughs> so it, I mean, it's a number of different things. It could okay. be apps that look like other apps. Um, it could be, you know, small pieces of technology that are put 
on your person. So sometimes they might be uh, sewn into the hem of your clothes. They can be really easily hidden. Um, I suppose when we say, you know, what is spyware? It's like, what isn't spyware? Spyware oh, really? could be, okay, anything. Yeah, it, it comes in so many different forms and, uh, and often it's disguised or marketed as uh, parenting, um, for, okay, for parenting. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really scary, but you know, there are, there are things you can do to keep yourself safe, but you know, really what that is, is that is a very, um, controlling and manipulative behavior by a partner or ex it's not normal and it's not okay like how often would people be using spyware is it like is it that normal yeah we hear about it a lot on on the helpline really yeah oh my goodness mm. like i'm sure there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast and there may be you know women or men in their 40s or 50s that have daughters or mm-hmm. sons as well within the age group that we're talking about like there's people actually buying spyware to spy on their partners well yeah because it's not marketed as spyware oh it's just like a parenting thing yeah. protection thing yeah or it's something <clears throat> so simple as going in you know if you know your partner's um uh passwords for their phone mm-hmm. or their social media you know if you're going in to change their location settings and yes. you're not sent a notification about that like, do you think groups of friends should sit down together and have a conversation about what's acceptable within their group of friends? Not acceptable, but like, as a group, we're going to support each other and this shit's not happening anymore. Like, within our group, we're not going to, nobody's going to have their location turned on on Snapchat. Nobody's going to do whatever, find my phone stuff or whatever it is. Like, we need to make it socially acceptable that women are just saying, no, that's that's not right. Because, and I, like, I really, just in case anybody is listening to this, if somebody... If you want to turn off your settings on your Snapchat and they're like, no, like, what what are you up to that, you know, that I can't trust you if you're going to do, if you're not going to have on these settings or not going to conform to these rules. That is, in case you're wondering what a red flag is, that is a red flag. And that to me now would be automatic breakup needs to be blocked on all levels and run. Now, I know yeah. it's not as easy as that, but certainly if you're wondering what a red flag is, that is giant it's hitting you in the head you know absolutely because in a healthy relationship you know not to bang on about it again I know but, but your partner is. they won't try and control you they, they don't need to know where you are all the time and there's trust in the relationship yeah um but really you know you're you're dead right like people do need to be kind of talking more about this and especially in friend groups I think we need to talk more about like the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationships Mm -hmm. because often we talk so much about like the unhealthy sides but really you know we do as well need to celebrate the healthy sides of relationships like what it really means to be in a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. um and also for say groups of uh guys i think it's really important that they start talking about this um to say you know what's okay what's not okay because often there's amongst groups say of young men in particular there's kind of an assumption that you know like uh sexist comments or misogyny or things like that are accepted yeah what's acceptable what's not language even so it's it's assumed that that's accepted but actually generally and this is from research uh, most of young men in those situations don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. They don't accept those things in their life. Yes. Um, but the problem is, is it takes one person to say, hey, that's not OK. Yeah, and even that, jokingly. Yeah. And it yeah. can be, you know, scary to be that person to yeah. kind of call it out. But I suppose we're trying to tell men that that is a really strong thing to do. That is yes. a really 
um, healthy thing to do yeah. to say you know I don't accept that in my life we shouldn't accept that mm-hmm. as a group of friends yeah um, because you know to see women as people yeah um, is what it really means well, it to could be, be your a sister would you be okay with you know one of the other guys in your group saying that about your sister your cousin your girlfriend Absolutely. you wouldn't you shouldn't be okay with hearing it or would you be okay with somebody saying it to you because yeah. you know women aren't just people in relation to other mm-hmm. people women are people in yeah. their own right it's really immature really isn't it it's like it's kind of better yourself sort of thing you know just kind of be more aware of who you are like actually I was uh, in the pub recently watching one of the uh, Six Nations games and there was a guy sitting up at the bar and what he was shouting at the TV was completely unacceptable Mm. at the Irish rugby players watching it and I just kind of looked around like did anybody else hear that sort Mm -hmm. of thing and a few other people were like felt uncomfortable about it Um, and to the point that we like the following week that we were going to the next match in the pub. Um, somebody said to me, are you going to that pub? And I said, no, because mm-hmm. I know he goes there and I actually can't listen to their comments. But nobody yeah. said it, you know. So it is a conversation that needs to be had when you hear somebody like that. Um, obviously in Ireland, we have a huge amount of immigrants at the moment, non-English speaking individuals that are in Ireland. They, um, you know, what's there for them as well for um, obviously domestic abuse? Yeah, so um, on the the helpline, the 24-hour helpline, we have an interpretation service. Um, so fantastic. it's available in over 170 languages. Um, because 170 languages? Yes. Oh my goodness. You're yeah. an absolutely fantastic organisation, really. Well, you know, I suppose for women who, you know, have found a new home in Ireland, maybe they've fled yeah. violence, war, things like that. Really They're further difficult. isolated. Yeah, absolutely. they really are. They might have no contacts here at all. Um and they might be, you know, with living with an abusive partner and, you know, their their visa or their living si- situation could be tied to that, mm-hmm. that abuser. Um, and especially if they've come over with children, it be- can become even more complex. So we would see, um, a, you know, a large amount of uh, migrant women using our services. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were almost a thousand migrant women who uh, contacted us on the language line um, last year. And... I suppose that, you know, service is really vital because something so simple as language can be a huge barrier to to seeking support Um, because, you know, say, for example, you're okay. So in, say, the health service, there is, you know, this phrase, every contact counts. Yeah. So just say you're going to uh, an appointment with your GP, you know, um, for a lot of GPs, um, they might have done training around uh, recognizing the signs of domestic violence. Yes. Um, so they might spot something and say something to you, but uh, that woman may have brought, say, her child with her to, to act interpret. as an interpreter. Okay. Uh, to act as an interpreter. So that can be really difficult and can create an even further barrier for her to talk about that because yeah. obviously or her husband, of course. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So you know, even for example, just say, um, uh. The woman uh, contacts the guardi mm-hmm. um, out to the house, and then um, the guardi come, and the abusive partner is the one who speaks English. They might explain it away, you know, things like that. So it can be really, oh really God, difficult. My heart, like you're absolutely so trapped. Like you're isolated from your friends and family. You're living in a strange country. You don't speak the language, and the people that come to help 
Yes, just exactly. can't. Yeah, exactly. But you know, we are doing uh, a lot of work with the guards around mm-hmm. recognizing the signs. Um, we have a high risk support project as well for women who are in, you know, really fatally dangerous situations. So yeah. we provide uh, funding directly to women to help them, you know, implement uh, better security systems in their okay. house, things like that. Um, or, you know, if they're in uh, financial kind of uh, difficult situations that we'll help there as well. So, yeah, it can be re- it can be incredibly difficult yes. um, for for women. You know, um, if they say they're living in direct provision, that can be even yeah. harder. And, um, I and I'm sure some people that are not well trained, you know, because not everybody's going to keep up. The, not mm. all GPs are going to keep up. Yeah. The, not all points of contact. Um, as well as they can be trained but some of it I'm sure it's going to be put down to cultural yeah. you know that's just their culture or whatever like it's really if you are in any of those mm. kind of jobs you do have a duty of care as much to the businessman up the road that his windows don't get broken in to the lady that comes in or the man that comes in that are that are suffering domestic yeah, abuse absolutely you know we all have a part to play absolutely not only trying to recognize it but to say, you know, I don't accept violence mm-hmm. in any aspect of society. Um, and, you know, often in like migrant communities, there'll be kind of this assumption that, yeah, it's cultural or things like that mm-hmm. um, with these really kind of racist undertones. But yeah, we, you know, we know from our, our services, from our research that there are plenty of violent men here in there Ireland. Is, yeah. So, you know, a lot of it doesn't have to do with, with, um, your nationality. No, of course not. Uh, people are all individual and they're mm. all accountable themselves. Absolutely. Let's just talk through what is a healthy relationship, okay? Mm. Because like two people meet each other, okay? One thing that I always remind people of, dating is just two people getting to know each other. So you actually don't know that person on their third date, fourth mm. date, fifth date. Like if you've only met someone for three hours, a normal random person on the street or the person that works in the supermarket, because you may have met them 50 times, doesn't mean that you're now in a relationship with them. So what dating is, is two people just getting to know each other. So one being aware that you're still only getting to know someone, that they are a complete stranger. I always say for healthy relationships, to try and keep it out of the house for as long as possible mm-hmm. to keep on, you know, going out on dates, meeting them. Like we're so aware that if you meet somebody online for online dating, that you should meet them in a public place Mm -hmm. with lots of people around. Like my absolute worst nightmare was during COVID when everybody was telling me they were going on these walking dates in these isolated scenic areas. I was like, stop, stop, please don't do that, you know. But like they're just getting to know each other, okay. For someone that is quite abusive, yes, there are people that are kind that can bring flowers and can do nice things for you. Mm. But then there are the others that are love bombing, okay. Mm. And love bombing is, we, we discussed there already, very intense, grand gestures of love, but it doesn't have to be grand gestures of love. It can be words of kind of affirmation um, loads of compliments and yeah. everything. The kind of feel good factor, but it's a little bit showering. It's slightly yeah. excessive, I would think. Yeah. In most cases. And it can be things like, you know, wanting to be, say, exclusive or say I love you or call each other, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, yes. whatever, mm-hmm. really fast. Okay. So really it's that kind of measure of, you know, do do they respect my boundaries? Yeah. And, you know, when you're going out with someone at the start, like you said, you're just getting to know someone. So mm-hmm. really it's you're it's more about trusting yourself as opposed yes. to learning to trust them. OK, because really, if you can listen to your gut and learn to trust your mm-hmm. gut, that will be your measure. 
I really if there's one thing we can emphasize today it is that first of all I sometimes as well say to people really think through what's okay and what's not and how Mm -hmm. you're going to react to it because it's very hard when you've kind of let something go to pull it back the next time because then you're considered unreasonable and all this stuff now you're not being unreasonable Mm -hmm. but it can sometimes the conversation can be more difficult so thinking about if somebody asks you you know to swap numbers very quickly online for some people that's okay for some people it's not so even knowing what your own comfort level is Mm -hmm. things like locations and everything like that on apps being aware of that um like personally i would say now if you're single that you should maybe look at um turning off those locations Mm -hmm. things as well like on whatsapp last scene like i have that turned off i have the blue ticks turned off on my whatsapp things like you know it's no harm because people shouldn't be in your pocket yeah um then we'll say if somebody asks you to send them nude photographs or something or if mm-hmm. so photographs you don't feel comfortable with yeah. like having thought about what your reaction would be even is is a great place to start when you're single before you've met anybody yeah you know how do you say to someone that's not I don't do that or that's just that's a no yeah and this would be something that's coming through more and more especially with younger people yeah is you know this kind of um sharing of intimate images and then that being used as a threat later on. So we now have a law in Ireland called Coco's Law Mm -hmm. that says um, it's illegal to share um, intimate or explicit images or videos of someone without their consent. Um, And it's not only illegal to actually share them, it's also illegal to threaten to share them because what that is, is it's really coercive control. Okay. So for example, um, if you break up with someone uh, they might say, you know, um, you better get back with me or I'm going to share these Those photographs that you sent me or whatever or yeah. that I took of you even. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes people have photos or videos t- taken of them without their prior knowledge. Wow. Um, so, you know, um, I suppose consent is a is a big thing, um, not just in terms of images, like in terms of uh sex as well mm-hmm. there's lots of talk now in the country about consent what that means but mm-hmm. we often forget that consent has to be there in relationships as well of course and in a relationship where there is coercion or manipulation it can be uh, really hard to kind of uh, work I suppose for somebody to consent who has been coerced mm-hmm. or manipulated because really what that is is it's not consent no no it absolutely isn't or if they you know this thing where they just know you should only have to say no once Mm. not 15 times not oh hopefully you'll give in or anything like that so even having your own boundaries in place and knowing like I just think having thought about it in advance does help Mm. now it's not always going to work but sometimes just knowing your own mind and and, um, being prepared because uh, being prepared yourself um, as to what what you're comfortable with Mm. as opposed to when you're out and had a few drinks and maybe you know you're kissing and everything like that to actually have might just help a little bit would we find that at all yeah definitely and you know it's not just verbal cues around consent there are non-verbal cues as Mm -hmm. well um like tensing up freezing things like that um just general discomfort yes um but you're you're so right you know i think to kind of do a little bit of homework on yourself before you get into dating situations can be really a positive thing because it tells you um, it not only tells you you know uh, what the red flags are what I should be looking out for but it's also saying to yourself I deserve to have a happy and a healthy relationship yeah. because you know it's better to be 
single than to be in an abusive relationship. I was honestly just about to say that and mm. I've said it a hundred times on the podcast. Like mm. lots of people come to me and they're like, oh, I'd just love to be in a relationship. And yeah. I actually often say to them, you're in a much better place than many people in relationships. Please just don't wish, wish for a boyfriend or a husband yeah. or a girlfriend or a partner. Whatever it is, you would a hundred times more be better off to be single than with somebody that is in an abusive relationship. Absolutely. And I know it's difficult and sometimes it's the, the little bridge, like it's out of your comfort zone maybe to break up with somebody. Mm. Um, so yeah, a hundred, we can't emphasize that enough really. Yeah. And you know, I don't say this lightly or to be, you know, sensationalist, but um, abuse is serious. Yeah. I think, you know, we say things like gaslighting, mm -hmm. red flags, love bombing, and it's kind of become part of the cultural and norm. social media thrown yeah. around on social media. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Which is totally normal. It's a good thing yeah. that we're starting to use those words now and recognize, mm -hmm. you know, things that are unhealthy. But, you know, abuse is serious because at the end of the day, the worst thing that can happen is you will be killed by your partner. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that has been a reality for many, many women. We have seen it, unfortunately, probably, uh, and I had the research done there recently, but it's like one of the highest numbers last year, um, women that were murdered over, like within, within for the last years. Yeah. Um, and just and this year, you know, yes. there's already been two women. And I know, um, well, it, it was... Um, you know, killed in violent circumstances. But one mm -hmm. of them, you know, her partner is being charged with her murder. And that's a young yeah. girl, you know, down in Cork. I know. Um, so we need, that's the reason we need to take these things seriously. You yeah. know, um, they're red flags for a reason and they could potentially save your life. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a conversation that we really, I'm glad we've had today uh, if it helps one person. And again, we're not saying that this is just for people in the, the um, early 20s, just for the two into you, anybody that is suffering from abuse, anybody that's yeah. questioning whether or not they should suffer for abuse. What age group were kind of go to two into you versus women's age? Because I have listeners of all age on my podcast. Yeah, so um, two into you is focused on that kind of 18 to 24 um, group. But, you know, people under 18 can go to the website as well, learn the red flags really anyone can learn the red yeah. flags on that website and they can take the relationship quiz as well um, but there's also the women's age uh, .ie website mm -hmm. and that's for anyone of any age it's a huge amount of information on it it's a fantastic website actually yeah, yeah we have you know information about the different types of control mm -hmm. um, and abuse we have information on the supports that are available mm -hmm. different legal protections that are available um, you know how to talk to a friend or family member things like that we've loads of information on on that website so really you can go to to either website to any of them yeah um mary thank you so much for being on would like to meet today i think it's a conversation that needs to be had more often more openly uh, and more regularly i think a lot of friends should actually sit down and maybe have a conversation around what's acceptable what's not and as a group how they're going to support each other instead of and remembering as a friend group that you're you know you're the the friends as opposed to mm. you know whispering and about each other and everything like that that's what friends really are and I think it's very yeah. important especially when it comes to abuse and the future of relationships absolutely to look out for each other is not yeah. just ourselves you know absolutely thank you so much for being on the podcast thank, thank you. you if you are worried about your own relationship or a friend's relationship you can use the free and confidential chat support service at twointoyou.ie You've been listening to Would Like to Meet Podcast. If you would like to contact me for anything to do with matchmaking or date coaching, 
please contact me at lovehq.ie. And again, if you would like to listen to my other podcast with Stephanie Regan, clinical psychotherapist and relationship expert, listen to us at Tough Love. Oh, 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 oh